Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy Fatal from Fatal Affair. We are now on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Catch us wherever you get your podcasts. Fatal! Yeah, baby, what's going on? We are back again to spoil episode two of Loki. Welcome to Fatal Foils, the show where we give you the scoop on each scene from the hot show in question, the title of the episode. The reason we all gather each week now and have great discussions by the water cooler, and we should enjoy it while it's still here, because a lot of those uh, shows, they go away for a little bit, and I don't have anything to do. I don't have anything to say. I go to work, nothing. How's your day, Fatal? Oh, it's great. I want to talk about Loki. I want, <laughs> I want to get in there and talk about jet skis, discuss grander concepts at large, self-realizations, but especially jet skis. Today, we are talking about the Disney Plus original Loki and its second episode. A lot goes on in terms of exposition in this episode. Again, not the most action-packed episode that we're going to get, but we can get the slow burn on this one. Considering how incredible the sets and the sound stages look, Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson are just so damn good together. It's instantaneous Disney magic. For everybody here, spoilers, 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 spoilers. If you don't want this show spoiled for you, tune out and come back. There's a lot you can learn from it, and we get to hang out, and we get to have a conversation together. So, you've been warned. Jump through the time door, okay? We've got a lot to do. This is a broad discussion based on a lot of show notes. We're gonna just talk and bounce from each topic, more in a chronological order, so it won't be too messy, hopefully. We're gonna open up to the recap of the episode, where you get the feeling that we don't really know what's going on. It's very mysterious. Uh, Mobius explains about the timekeepers and that he's never seen them still. He's answering to something else. After the recap, you get the beautiful green Marvel logo that has colors of Loki. Then open to Oshkosh, Wisconsin, the 1985 Renaissance Fair. Somebody stops the TVA as they come through their time door and she goes, hey, you're dressed for the wrong occasion. And that's what you have to say when you see somebody come through a time door is, Oh, your clothes are wrong. Listen, lady, you gotta stop drinking all the, the grog at the Ren Fair, okay? There's, they're putting something in that beer. I don't know. That's not something I would say if I saw these gentlemen coming through. And not even really acknowledging you. That was almost terrorist-level time invasion. They go into a big tent, into a, in a circus, kind of the center of shows and fairs. If you've never been to a circus, there's, they have a big top. The big top is where you always have the big shows where the clowns are and everybody gets to interact with the audience and you really get the center of the circus. Uh, holding out for a hero gets a name spike from the announcer in a cool comic fourth wall acknowledgement sort of way. We get a feel of what's about to happen. Later in the episode, at the very end of the episode, spoilers, because you already know at the top of the show that's what this is about, you should have seen the episode. Episode. Lady Loki is the one defeating all of these TVA agents. So that means Lady Loki picked the song and she got somebody, probably a Loki from a different universe to throw us off, or she even just knew what she sounded like. So she recorded it herself, considering the fact she can transform. She picked the song, She's Holding Out for a Hero, by Bonnie Tyler. Loki can inhabit all sorts of bodies, she gets in one of the TVA agents and murders her, murders everybody, and something we hear at the end of the episode, oh, is this person dead when Loki 
invades that body, she says not usually. Which means they do die sometimes. Loki claims to be doing it for fun. If she could just kill everybody from with future technology or burn some sort of energy from frustration killing up close and personal, you don't see a lot of blood, but she definitely gets in there with her knives and everything, signature Loki style. As Bonnie Tyler's holding out for a hero plays all the way through the end until she takes one of the TVA agents' gauntlet and says that it opens a time door. She then escapes through the time door. Why did she take a hostage? What does this gauntlet do for her? Now that she has time-hopping abilities, can she reverse-engineer this technology? When you see the He-Man trailer uh, for He-Man Revelations at the beginning of the week, we also saw Bonnie Tyler, Guardians of the Galaxy, also used the same song, Holding Out for a Hero, in their E3 presentation. Loki used it at the end out of these three, the holy trilogy inert him at this point. I think it kind of did it best just because we see it in action. All the downbeats kind of matched. Lady Loki just doing incredible things versus jumping scene for scene. Adding mystery. I get we need a hero nowadays, man. Superheroes are hot. The variant Loki in question says that, you know, maybe Loki's good. Maybe she thinks that he's the hero that's going to stop her because it would be the only Loki that could stop her considering how Loki said... You're gonna need time travel to catch me in the first episode. It would be obvious if the Avengers did anything, they would need time travel because I smelled two Tony Starks. This could mean that the good Loki, or not good Loki, our protagonist Loki is good to Lady Loki. Or because how Agatha was the only villain in WandaVision, maybe that, you know, the hero being the main protagonist Loki is gonna have to approach Lady Loki as the main villain of this story. It's open to all sorts of interpretation. But she also could be serving Kang the Conqueror, as we know, considering everybody in this show is kind of related to Kang in some sort of way. Loki in the proper MCU served Thanos up until the moment where he wanted to kill Thanos. I don't know, we might get some sort of Lady Loki betrayal and some sort of young Avenger turnaround, or a turnaround for one of the characters in play here. We get exposition lines after the crazy big top murder scene in the fair. The Miss Minutes animation voiced by Tara Strong with an incredible searching eye animation. Like, even though she's this 1950s cartoon, she still takes note from a lot of the modern day cartoons that we have today. And her eyes are constantly searching Loki, saying, you know this, give me the answer. We've been studying this together. When uh, a time event gains enough variant energy on its measurement scale, the TVA can no longer keep it on track from deviating. The timeline gets destroyed by either the timekeepers or the collapse of reality, which could be the same thing, considering how little we know about the timekeepers. But then Loki asks Miss Minutes, are you alive or are you a recording? This isn't really clear to me. She says kind of both. Magic doesn't work in this realm. So that means she can't be magic. She would act as some sort of technology, some sort of AI. Maybe considering everything in the TVA headquarters can be considered technology, does that mean that they went to these other timelines and the only souvenirs they brought back being the uh, Infinity Stones means that the Infinity Stones themselves are technology? Miss Minutes jumps into a computer when Tom Hiddleston tries to swat at her with a newspaper with a grimacing look on his face of evil. And she hides to, you know, escape the everything else. She has a banner that says test failed. I thought that was kind of cute because she was asking Loki questions. She was acting as a teacher to him and he just acted out against the teacher in a form of mischief and big old test failed under her. Hiding in a computer for what? What do these computers do? They're in all of the offices. The computers on our planet surf the internet. They look at cat pictures. They download songs from your friends by using our billing address. Like we do things and we put our information into the internet. 
what do they put into these computers? Because in WandaVision, you can tell that they were used as some sort of like early DOS adaptation, very minimalist design, so that you can't really have a lot of access to these things. Granted, it was Wanda's perception of time in that moment, but even in the same look at the timekeepers, they don't really, it doesn't seem like they want a lot of deviation going on within the employee ranks. It doesn't really seem like they're willing to leave that open to interpretation. So whatever's in this database is only what people are allowed to access. Later, Loki goes into a library looking for files, and he's only allowed access to just his file. But we'll get to that, and that kind of plays into this. Loki then mobilizes to join the TVA going back in time to find variant loki so there's this nice rotating shot of the tva briefing each other which we see later at the end of the show come back almost every time they're about to go into these missions in the same episode you see this spinning shot almost like a crane i wouldn't say a crane shot but like a dolly shot rotating around the group while they're all talking i really like it it shows loki in a good contrast but a good blend at the same time he really pops out like an anime main protagonist the tva mission briefing number one says that they are searching for a loki but which kind of loki is unknown loki states the lesser kind to be clear exercising loki's personality traits the entire meeting saying how inferior and not as competent this other loki he must be, while also in the same air insulting the TVA, really matching their friction beat for beat, because she even makes a point, B-15, she makes a point to say, turn around and show me what's on your jacket, and the word variant being written on it says, look out for this guy, he's obvious, he sticks out like a sore thumb, but just remember he's one of them almost. He's not a TVA agent. She asks, why are you here? Do you know? And he goes, oh, I'm your only hope of catching a murderer. She says, no, you're a cosmic mistake, which means you were never supposed to happen, but we can't kill you for whatever reason else. But we've killed a lot of Lokis. We've pruned a lot of Lokis. And then they start to show a lot of Lokis. You see Olympic Loki, my favorite, Devil Loki, and I think it's Devil Loki. It could be some sort of merging of the original concept of Loki. It could be some sort of other Loki from a catastrophe in a comic. I wasn't very clear on that. DJ Loki, he was wearing a onesie. I don't really know this. <laughs> I can't speak or vouch for this Loki. I cannot. I don't know him. I think we get what looks like to be King Loki from the end of the Secret Wars and Sorcerer Supreme Loki when he ends up taking the mantle from Doctor Strange at one point. Mobius and Loki get uh, a briefing on the powers and the differences in appearance on all these other Lokis where the topic comes up, which I love when they do this because we get an in-depth look at what the writers were trying to do when making these characters, saying something along the lines that each Loki has a general premise of illusion projection. Illusion projection versus duplication projection, which Loki specifies and clarifies for the audience. Illusion is non-tangible. Like in Thor Ragnarok, Loki projecting an image versus being there. Not like astral projection, which is basically an illusion projection in the astral plane. But as we see in Doctor Strange getting attacked in the hospital in the astral plane, you can still tell that it's some sort of physical manifestation in its own realm. Not in our realm, but in the astral plane, anything within there can touch each other. Kind of like a Legend of Korra concept, but, you know, there's a certain balance, everything's got a balance, so there's limitations to that as well. I think the illusion projection is much less demanding and purely for show. Loki can do that wherever, which is another testimony to how far he would go at the beginning of Thor Ragnarok. Considering in the Dark World he put him in prison and he was trying to make him feel bad with his false death, 
he wasn't really going to go out of the way to create some sort of duplication projection to hug Thor or anything else. He was just using the illusion projection to trick Thor, clearly. Or not trick, but communicate. You know, be there without actually being there. It didn't take a lot for him. He threw a rock through the projection and Loki was basically like, brother, okay, stop. <laughs> duplication is a full physical recreation, a holographic mirror of the molecular structure, allowing duplication to interact with things in a perfect mirror instance of one's own body from the time of casting it, from the instance of casting it. So you can't change the duplication's clothes. The duplication can't morph. It's coming straight from you the moment you cast it, allowing for physical interaction and probably maybe item duplication, depending on what's in the pockets at time of duplication. Take a breath. Mobius reminds Loki because he was showing off his smarts, and Mobius seems to see him sweating it. Being sm the smartest man in the room kind of makes him insecure. He's still kind of Mobius's patient. So when he's addressing the time patrol, he's like, take a breath. Nobody's attacking you. You're still the smartest guy here. There's a reason we brought you, right? Does Loki get a weapon? No. But then that makes Loki question, why does he get magic? Mobius allowed the permission of magic because A... They can still catch Loki. Unsuspectingly, you can tell right after he used magic, they were there to catch him. In the beginning of episode one, at the end of Avengers, he didn't have any weapons. He didn't have any daggers. He was chained up. All he had was magic. He gets farther from the timekeepers. If he tries to run away or do anything or betray them, Mobius wants him to use that focus to get close to the timekeepers as if that was an option that Loki never really saw before. Uh, it allows him to do what he did for Thanos, be a right-hand man of sorts. Uh, get close enough to the power to one day usurp it, such as staying close to Odin because he wanted to rule Asgard. He wanted to usurp Thor because that's where he was on the ladder at that point. He wants to take out whatever's directly above him. Later, this comes up in a conversation that kind of makes Loki happy that it gets acknowledged, but it never gets played on. It might come up later, but you can tell there's never going to be fruit born from that. It's just part of the personality. When Mobius says, oh, be careful, you might take my job because you're such a damn good TVA agent. Loki gets that little validation that Mobius constantly brings up in the character. Loki asks, why can't they show up before the event happens? If they know that something bad is happening, can't they show up at the moment of time before it happens? No. The moment that it starts to deviate is the moment they get the alert in whatever real-time scenario that may be. Later it comes up, is the TVA a part of the future? Are they from the future? How does that work? And it's a gray area as we constantly get reminded to kind of stop looking at it, but they acknowledge that the question is there. If we get some sort of answer, a small little tidbit, it's what we should take and run with it in whatever fantasy concept we want. But it's just so hard to narrow down a time story like that. Bringing time nukes, they later ask Loki, what is this? He says those are reset charges. The reset charges reset whatever is in the vicinity at which they detonate allowing for it to disintegrate everything in the vicinity and time to heal itself. It's definitely just a plot device because these bombs come up later. In the tent that they go to, the big top at the circus, there's a villainous foreboding amongst all the torchlight. It's a good thing it's a renaissance fair because it allows for Loki to really play as a cop in his own setting. It's a very cool pseudo-comic image, especially when he's explaining his inner villainy to people who aren't fully aware of it, allowing for really, really, really great exposition. Where there are wolf's ears, wolf's teeth are near. Aware of your surroundings in the tent is what you're supposed to look for. He's very sharp. He sees that they're starting to dwindle on trust and belief. So Mobius even claims later, he says, my ears are sharp too. As the variant's never taken a hostage before, 
the police are starting to look closer on this. Everybody's being really analytical. Comparison to the gods of Asgard saying that they are drunk with power. The TVA gets called out by Loki. Loki now sees them, even comparing them to the gods of Asgard, underestimating Loki. He's saying how the gods of Asgard also underestimated him in some sort of comparison, right? If he sees them as gods, he can also see them as the people he wants to defeat. The gods in question that he was always so villainous towards who he gained his name, the god of mischief, from. Now the TVA seems to be in that rightful title for him. He even compliments the variant Loki, claiming that the TVA is walking from one wolf's mouth to another, kind of also complimenting himself in the same moment. Putting Loki's villainous time schemes on a pedestal. He knows that I'm stronger than him. Loki presumes to make himself seem better. He knows that he's clearly more important than this other Loki, but he's not looking at what the TVA sees, somebody who's always eluding them, versus this Loki who's in their presence, almost a prisoner, he still doesn't want to see himself that way. So he's got a lord over without the other person there to defend themselves. He's the greatest thing in the freaking room. He rightly believes that he can overthrow the TVA with some other Loki, but he uses reverse psychology telling him that he's not going to do that. The other Loki must be thinking that. That's not me. Saying he won't do it, but the other Loki thinks that. It definitely makes you look deeper because if the TVA starts to look at this as also a trick, then they have to play three-dimensional chess against him, which makes Loki play four-dimensional chess, which he eventually runs from the TVA at the end of this episode, allowing us to believe. Mobius says he's lying. But it takes him 10, 12 seconds for Mobius to come to this, saying, you almost caught me there. My ears are sharp too. This little entrance into Loki, Loki gaining this entrance into Mobius's head, plays for the next 40 minutes in the episode as Loki, from the start of being restricted all these rights and all this trust from Mobius, at the end of the episode, gaining the trust, using Mobius, turning all of this on its head. Hunter C-20 gets taken through the time door during the Loki fight, and we later see Hunter C-20 in between the period of this episode having gone through something off-screen, saying it's real, it's real, it's real. So wherever Lady Loki took her was somewhere of greater power, something damn sure greater than Lady Loki. Am I your favorite analyst? We get Owen Wilson talking to the judge from the first episode, actually being revealed as Ravona, Ravona Lexis Renslayer. Ravona being a love interest of a lot of characters in the Marvel Universe, but now playing that character opposite to Owen Wilson, in which we see, I hope we see Owen Wilson come back when Kang's actually in the picture, because it's a really cool scene of them drinking together, calling each other stubborn, saying, oh, it sounds like somebody I know. That's funny. I was going to say that about you. Owen Wilson almost playing the jealous boyfriend the entire time, calling on their history together. Let's talk about the history of Ravona Lexus Renslayer. She first appeared in Avengers number 23 and was created by Stan Lee and Don Heck, the daughter of King Sorelius, the love interest of Kang the Conqueror. But due to an attempt to conquer her timeline, she hated Kang. Ravona being an enemy of the Fantastic Four at one point, she then notices drink rings on the table in her office by Owen Wilson, claiming that those were there. Yeah, because you put all of them there. Mobius claims to know how Loki works, that he buys time, especially when we saw him in the tent, finding his words, searching. I could, uh, bring her to you. 
I could maybe gain an audience with the timekeepers. Who knows what these things are? But they happen to be in very grave danger. Always playing on the sensibility, finding himself enough time to get his next idea across, his next scheme. Later, we see Lady Loki using this same method of excuse in the plant store when she gets revealed as one of the customers. Getting close to Loki might help Mobius, which can be Mobius's transformation into a deviant, as he thinks that getting close to Loki getting convinced of freedoms that Loki tries to instill on Mobius and everybody he ever talks to, doubting the ways of the timekeepers. If Loki keeps poking holes in enough holes, the raft is gonna sink for Mobius. Mobius is a man of faith. He believes in these things, and blindly at that, fanatically at that. Like a jealous boyfriend, he notices a pen while signing a case sheet handed over by Ravona. Oh, nice pen. One of your other agents must have got this for you, because... I didn't do it. Sounds like a jealous boyfriend the entire time. Loki comes over to him apologizing to Mobius after he claims he stuck his neck out for Loki. He loves to talk. He just keeps talking. Talk, 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 talk. I thought you didn't like to talk. Trying to cover up for the mission where he did lie to Mobius's face, which he says you're supposed to expect the expected. I don't care what makes you tick. Mobius's own reverse psychology with a hint of truth. He really doesn't care about that Loki. He doesn't care what makes that Loki do anything. Because at the end of this, he's going to delete himself. He's going to decommission that Loki as probably what was the plan. Because as a reward for the next mission coming up, we see that he might be able to keep living. He has a hint of truth when he says he doesn't care, though. But he wants Loki to care so that he looks closer at the case, so that he can find this other Loki. Loki can't accept that the other Loki is superior to him. Morbius says the other Loki is superior, but Loki says that's not a word I would use. <laughs> Showing that vanity within Loki the entire time, showing just pure disbelief on the entire case, that he could be anything less than perfect. Even when Owen Wilson keeps trying to one-up him and diminish his self-esteem, he says that he's one step ahead, doing some smarmy little tie titan on Owen Wilson. I'm just saying, you touch my tie on my suit, I'm slapping you. I don't care what cuff seas are on my wrist, I don't care how nice my pocket protector, I'm bitch slapping you 16 times the duration. I'm gonna slow it down one sixteenth and you gonna feel all of it. Loki wanted to take control from the timekeepers, calling out the seizing of control. Mobius saying, you want to usurp them because you're history's most reliable liar. Well then what did you see in me? I saw an ice runt. I saw a scared little boy. The elevator door closes, showing that these two characters are at odds, and that's the ending of that fight. When the elevator door opens up again, it's a new chapter. Now we're going to work in the middle plot, trying to reestablish a relationship between these two characters, what it means beyond just the case and Loki being in the position that he's in. You're going to see a double-sided edge of that. Still being the prisoner of Mobius, he's now going to be cornered. Even though he's Mobius's friend, he becomes his friend long enough to escape the corner. We'll see that a little later. Mobius claims that it is his desperate last chance, and what does a last chance require? Work. If Loki hears these words ringing in his head, there's no choice but for Loki to bite the hand that feeds him. He needs his unique Loki perspective to look at the cases, to find things a little closer, which might be considered narcissistic, that the TVA dismiss because they don't really care about Loki that way, especially somebody who's so about themselves. But Loki being so about himself could be what he finds could be how he finds the slip-up, the imperfection in the other Loki claiming to want to become the superior Loki. 
He finds one file that says that the last TVA group lost their reset charges. Big shocker. Almost like Loki is pseudo-lording over them without them even being there. Redlining is never good, he tells the librarian because he's trying to convince her that he's a TVA authority so that she should give him the files. What files can I have access to then? Just his own, which actually appears to be a lot slimmer. In the beginning of the first episode, you see a gigantic Loki stack of everything he's ever said. I doubt that that's a condensed form on everything he's ever said. It damn sure isn't everything he's ever said in millions of multiverses, because Loki would have billions if not trillions of things to say. That file's much, much too small. Loki then finds the file where it says Destruction of Asgard, something that catches out of the corner of his eyes. He probably saw the word Asgard because he's so used to wanting to steal the treasures of it, always betraying it. He's very familiar with his home. There's a reason that he stays there, you know? He can go conquer any other planet. He hangs out in Thor Ragnarok on a different planet, but Asgard's what he really wanted the most. He wanted to rule it. You actually see him caring so much he sheds a tear. Loki crying over the 9,719 casualties with zero variances detected. Like it was supposed to happen. But because he sees that there's zero variance and that there was nothing he could do, he probably thought that there, if there was something he could do, he would try to do it. So wouldn't there be variant energy at least a tiny bit in that realm? What he finds out is no, because you can't change an apocalypse. So that must be where Loki would hide if he wanted to be the greatest Loki hider of all time. Would be in a place where there's zero variances, and that's in apparently every single apocalypse. A nexus event happens when somebody does something they aren't supposed to do. But apparently that's an oversimplification. Chaotic alterations of a predetermined outcome, all at the same time, can cause a spiral effect. It'll destroy the timeline. If it destroys one timeline, won't it destroy all of them? So we see the salad that is Asgard. Mobius' salad, which he says, no, that's not Asgard. That's my salad. I want that salad. What if I just go back and I push the Hulk off of the Rainbow Bridge? And that is the salt shaker, which he ruins a salad. You ever put salt on a salad? It's already dead. Then, he's got the pepper. If he sets fire to the palace, that must be what the pepper is on the salad. And he proceeds to shake both salt and pepper at him. He then goes over to the fish guy's table from the first episode where he says, What's a fish? He gets his drink, and he alerts him in the same manner. He even comes up behind him, taps him on the shoulder, and that gives the man wild deja vu going, It's you. He wants to see what he's doing with his damn drink. If everyone is doomed to die, then nothing matters because the timeline gets destroyed anyway. As Loki washes the salad with Fish Guy's drink. Take me to an apocalypse and I'll show you. I'm not taking you to an apocalypse. I'm much less taking you for a stroll around the damn promenade. Which later he does. If you notice this exposition, it's going in progress. At first, you see Mobius' full resentment of Loki after he had to gain Loki enough on his side to push him away. To discipline him, to housebreak him. Mobius says, you're just gonna stab me in the back. Loki says, that's a boring way of betrayal. I would come up with something much cooler than that. He says, Loki, you've literally stabbed people in the back 50 times. Of course you're gonna do it. He says, well, trust that I love to be right. Telling Mobius to trust him. Something he tells him this entire episode until Mobius eventually says, how come the people you can't trust always say trust me. He takes him to Pompeii, Italy, 79 AD, where Loki gets insanely excited about the mischief and chaos at hand. He knows what's gonna happen. Everybody's gonna die. Loki is, he's, he's chomping at the bits, as Mobius says, where Mobius gets excited at the same polarity of that. Mobius gets excited at order and truth. Loki gets excited at Pompeii killing everybody. Sorry, Pompeii. 
Can you just make some bird noises so we can get out of here? He's being a stickler of the rules. He's being a howl monitor. Loki gives goats freedom. He wants chaos. He wants mischief. He wants to be loud. He wants to be seen. So he releases the village's goats. I am Loki. We are agents of the Time Variant Authority. I bring all of you dark tidings. All of you dark tidings. I'm from the future. Wait, what is the TVA? Are we from the future? Uh, even him saying that could mess with the entire timeline, causing time travel to occur way sooner if he's not careful. Then they detect that there is zero variant energy, like Pompey was supposed to happen no matter what, no matter how many goats Loki frees. Showing that, oh, he's right, he's onto something, that Loki must be hiding in places from a specific time that have an apocalypse. Which later we see this in the form of the gum that gets handed to Mobius, but we'll, we'll cross that. So we get files that show all natural occurrences with no warning and no survivors. How many could that be in history? The joke then leads to them falling asleep on a table scattered in papers saying, God dang, Earth. You sure have had a lot of natural disasters where everybody dies. A little ironic. Sure, I believe it. Let's take a walk. He said he wouldn't give Loki that walk. What does he do? Now they're best friends. You cut to a cafeteria and their legs are intertwined under the table, being super close, being super intimate, almost showing how they're bonding as friends, but much less bonding as friends. It feels almost like Harley Quinn and the Joker. We get a scene where they're in the cafeteria where Loki says, oh, I found a jet ski magazine on your desk. What's up with that? He's definitely playing a Joker to Harley. He's playing to his sensibilities. In the beginning, Joker's on the bench, right? He's being therapeuticized by Harley Quinn. And she's trying to figure out what makes him tick. By the end of that evolution, the end of that relationship before she becomes his sidekick, Harley's on the bench. She's on the couch talking to therapist Joker. The person who is out of his freaking mind is your doctor. That's almost how Loki's playing to Mobius here, asking about the jet ski magazine on him, on his desk. And what does that mean to you? He's playing therapist to Mobius. <laughs> he flipped the script already, and Mobius walked into it hook, line, and sinker, allowing him to get closer to his emotions, his beliefs. They start to bond. They become genuine friends. He asks him, you really believe in all this? He says, I don't really get hung up on belief for not believing. And this conversation is crazy. Because if we remember Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they went to very racial places. They went to places where they forced us to look inward in ourselves and ask major questions about how our normal everyday goes. And Disney being able to touch on these public opinions, these reflections of ideas, they're one of the biggest companies in the world. If anybody has the power to change things for the better, they do. And it looks damn great on them when they're doing it. Granted, I don't, we don't talk about the politics behind the doors. I'm not saying everybody's bad, but it's as Loki said, not everybody good is good and not everybody bad is bad. Everybody's fourth dimensional and people can have hidden motives. Mobius flips it with saying, well, where did you come from? If you want to talk shit on everything that I believe in love, what about you? Tell me what you believe. And Loki goes very sanely, well, I am from Frost Giants. I was raised by Odin of Asgard. And he goes, listen to yourself, Odin, Frost Giants, Asgardses, you sound crazy. And it sounds definitely like a deep conversation, a reflection on religion, atheism versus Catholicism versus Christianity. Existence is chaos and making sense of it through belief in a higher power. The Greeks defined the sun as being carried across the sky by a man in a chariot with magical horses, magical rhinos for all I freaking know. 
Waking up and being happy with what you have to do, being grateful with what you have. Real is because I believe that it's real. If you believe in whatever you believe, nobody can tell you otherwise, and that's what they're trying to say. An unshaking religious belief in the timekeepers is Mobius's embodiment. Predetermination, beginning, middle, end, it's all chosen for us. We're the only ones who are truly free, is what Loki says, because Loki doesn't really believe in anything but himself. He doesn't believe in a plan, a higher power, which Mobius feels a servant to. How's it all gonna end then? I'm gonna wake up at the end of time after the timekeepers find their infinite branches, they unspool them, and they allow me to meet everybody who worked with me to get to this point. A very heaven-like concept. When I die, at the end of this, everybody who died along the way and everybody who will die will see me at the pearly gates. I myself am not very religious, but just this conversation alone allowed me peace with my fellow man. It was beautiful. It doesn't matter what you're going through, what you believe. We're all here together. We all exist together. I know something children don't. No one bad is ever bad. No one good is ever good. There are four-dimensional people. People who are good have sides to them which make them good. Battling their evils and struggling to stay good and people who are bad could be bad for the sake of thinking it's good, giving different perspectives on actions. The TVA thinking they are good, but they could be doing terrible things in these timelines. They're wiping out whole timeline instances. What are these times we're allowed to flourish and prosper all as one thing, but the timekeepers just didn't want it because it wasn't part of the plan? I don't think necessarily reality is going to implode on itself. We just might see some sort of, I don't know, multiverse of madness. After seeing how complex Loki was when he saved Thor, it could just be just as complex. Mobius says, you're clever. And uh, Loki says, I know but he doesn't know why, so he follows him to find out that the candy that they picked up in the first episode... Here's a couple possibilities. It wasn't very clear, so I'm just gonna go over what maybe a few people could have thought. Maybe Lady Loki gave the kid that gum because she's actually a good person at heart. Because all they have are grapes and nuts, it could be just as incredible of a thing to her to give to somebody else, showing true good nature and an act of kindness. Or Lady Loki could have just given that gum as a plot to move the TVA to where she actually is, to allow them one key to eventually give her enough time to fulfill what she's trying to do. Or, and here's what I found out maybe on my fifth or sixth watch through of the episode, here's my opinion. I think the little girl is Lady Loki. There's no candy in Asgard. So what if when Lady Loki goes to 2050 to Rock's Cart, the supermarket that we see at the end of this episode, she finds this candy and she absolutely falls in love. She takes it everywhere she goes. Kablooey, it's even a chaotic gum name. Mobius tricks Loki into a research competition for bragging rights. For pride. In a gentleman's agreement, Loki's so damn competitive and wants to be the best that he ends up finding something. Great detective Loki, keep it up and you could steal my job. Mobius gets excited to Ravona, saying that Loki's improving, he trusts him now, defending Loki unlike the last time that we saw him. Ravona pointing out that he found a hole in their security. That worries me. You don't think that somebody having something on us can be unstable, especially with a long history of betrayal? That's all he was good for in history, is betraying people. 
There's not much she can do if the mission doesn't work out, but Mobius insists he comes with them to find the variant because he wants to nail it. This can eventually cause a US agent-style rift with Mobius and the timekeepers. He says he's never seen them. What if by the end of the series, we get a really expensive, maybe makeup department or some sort of CGI glimpse at the timekeepers or even a power that answers immediately from them in the form of Ravona talking to Mobius as if he was the US agent. He knows the laws, right? US agent, don't recite to me order. Don't recite to me the constitution. I studied all of it. I am what you made me. And that could be what Mobius is thinking. I am a time variant authority because you made me this way. And this can cause his deviation in a form to almost, I don't want to say it, but I think Mobius could become Loki's sidekick crusher. If he ends up doing some sort of like give all at the end for his friend Loki, or maybe he's just this inevitable force that's always chasing after Loki, who knows what's in store for Mobius. At the end of this episode, we kind of see the choice get presented. Loki, my friend, you're on to something. We see them in the locker room where he, Loki says, oh, I'm on to something. If I do good, maybe I can go see the timekeepers. Mobius was hinting maybe just at his own freedom. He says, slow down. You know, I haven't even met the timekeepers, but you know, see how, see how long I've been here. We're both kind of working to it. You gotta, let's work up through the ranks together, buddy. Let's see where this one goes. You find the variant, we'll talk, all right? Here's some daggers. Mobius thinks he's his freaking right-hand man, his partner. Loki and him spent just enough time together for Loki to get in his head. You forget he's the god of mischief. We kind of see some sort of little change in Loki, right? This comes up in a little, in a little bit, but it's different than not giving him a weapon from before. In the beginning of the episode, he even says, why am I allowed to have my magic but no weapon? Now that trust barrier is breached, but B-15 doesn't allow Loki to take this weapon on the mission, saying absolutely not. And then we get another mission briefing in the form of a dolly shot rotating around the group, talking about how Loki has been stealing the Time Variant Authority's charges. Kill any Loki that you see, but hopefully, you know, not all Lokis, not just the bad ones. Then we get a cut to Alabama 2050 in a shot of Roxcart, a supermarket from the Marvel comic universe. It's more of an Easter egg reference to Roxxon than the actual name Roxcart, for those who are fans of this who know this. Roxxon is an energy corporation, a tyrant, a business mogul in the Marvel universe, featuring in Spider-Man 2099 as one of the main antagonists, and in Miles Morales, we see the roots of that start to get played 75 years before the plot of Spider-Man 2099 takes place and they also are seeded and branched out throughout most of the marvel comic universe this could lead to loki becoming impartial to spider-man claiming he owes him a debt of gratitude it's 2050 so there's no spider-man there's no spider-man 2099 we don't know where miles is we don't know where peter parker is they could all be dead within the 30 years since that we get an epic rain entrance scene with an optimistic a whimsical loki twirl it's a beautiful grim shot of rocks card on the outside as the squad enters the building loki gives himself a magical dry off at the beginning claiming he doesn't want to get squeaky feet like the rest of them again with the royal poshness showing him on a higher level than everybody presenting himself as an individual not some sort of wet savage b15 splits up loki and mobius mobius defending loki in an outburst saying we need him to find the variant do you not remember the time theater loki's saying it's fine mobius calm down they're always calm now they're checking each other's emotions they both played the part now he says i know trusting me is hard but i'll earn that trust and mobius gives him the line people you can't trust saying trust me all the time lady loki is watching the cameras from her own room you can tell she had enough time to set up especially if she 
planted the kablooey gum way back when when the first time deviation happened, and they don't get the alerts until these time deviations go off, allowing for Loki's research to be a lot more sound. So they get the jump on her just ever so slightly, just one minute. If time is so precious in this show, that one minute is all it took. She sets a 20-minute timer, allowing us to believe that between that moment and the end of the episode, there's a 20-minute time pass. But there's only about eight minutes left in the episode. We get a greenhouse walk with B-15 and Loki, both looking for the Loki variant. The lights are flickering on and off, showing uncertainty, giving us an air of mystery. Is Loki good or is he dark? Is the TVA good? good or dark. There's a random customer in a hurricane sale saying that he was only there because the azaleas are half off. It's that same stalling that Loki did in the beginning of the episode, which crazy enough was with B-15 and Loki as well as Mobius, but she was also there. So she asks, could that be you? It sounds a lot like you. I would have worn a suit, but yes, maybe. You get a green energy body switch arm grab. Is he dead? They usually survive. Me, I presume. If anyone is anyone, you're me. So both Lokis are trying to confirm who's who, but I think Lady Loki had a better point, because you only became the Loki you are after you deviated from the main Loki. The main Loki's still a thing. That timeline's still intact. Lady Loki was a deviant long before he was, so technically, our gender-fluid buddy here would be a branch of Lady Loki's deviation. Instant plotting Loki welcoming trickery smile. Both of their instincts take over when they meet a new person, trying to get immediately on the good side, allowing for more mischievous trickery after the initial meeting, both of them giving each other a beautiful Loki smile. They're all gonna die, so they should be scared. One of the TVA agents is abusing his power. It's a lesson that I'm glad Mobius gets to tell the audience, and we had a theme of it back in Falcon and the Winter Soldier when some of the cops came up to Sam and Bucky, and uh, they're being mighty, mighty, mighty racist. It's terrible. It's terrible. Mobius says they should not be scared of us. It doesn't matter. We're here to protect them, and if we're not here to protect them, we're not here to harm them. They should be afraid, but not of us. They should be afraid to die from a natural disaster. It's real. It's real. It's real. Referring to something Lady Loki showed C-20 when she got taken through the time door. We don't know what it being real could be, but if the Time Variant Authority didn't believe it to be real before, or at least whatever the timekeepers instill on their creations and the Time Variant Authority individuals. What did they not think was real? Because a lot of them don't die, or maybe they were taken before death so they never got to get to the plane of hell? I'm just gonna say it because you know what show you're watching. Mephisto! I don't think necessarily it's real, it's real, it's real could mean the character Mephisto or even Shuma Gorath, and not even the multiverse of madness, but maybe hell. Maybe a plane that they once thought not in existence. That's what I got from that. Here I would- I thought you would be a better version than me, Lady Loki tells uh, protagonist Loki. We're call we'll call him proper Loki. Loki proper. Loki prime. He turns into one of the shopping employees, Randy. And he, proper Loki, tells Lady Loki, you know, using her name, calls her Loki. And he says, or she, or they, says, call me Randy. <laughs> she still hasn't revealed herself. Loki says, show yourself. And the fight goes on longer and longer, claiming she has shit to do. So she's too busy to entertain Loki and especially his demands. The courage to do what Lady Loki is doing is no average feat. You must be doing this on some extraordinary will, some sort of influence, something you know grander than the Time Variant Authority, grander than all of us, so let me in on it. Join with me. Help me overthrow the Timekeepers, and we can rule the mass multiverse together. It's what Loki's- it's his M.O. He's gonna try to do this no matter what. La 
Lady Loki was not interested in ruling, showing that she had another plan, possibly to carry out a higher power's intent or something she believes in, like the powers of belief that Mobius was talking about earlier. Beyond being a stagnant ruler, somebody who just sits there and gives orders, she could actually be preventing or creating something, maybe her own universe where she rules. Her plans go much, much deeper than our Loki, this two-dimensional villain that's still in transition. The Loki we get in Endgame, that Loki had years to become Endgame Loki. He didn't just do it in the span of a week in some sort of time stasis police station. B-15 awakes to be aware of something. C-20 says that she gave away the timekeeper's location and how to find them. Lady Loki is going through a time door where now when the bombs, maybe I'm rushing. Loki says, I miss Randy. Loki getting his ass kicked up and down by a big trucker looking man stalling for time. He says, you love to talk about yourself. He says, you're the first person to tell me that. Being a liar, being the liar we know he is, the god of mischief. I would never treat me like this. Loki thinks that, but Lady Loki isn't interested in it. She probably understands he's a deviant, that he's gonna get deleted anyway, that it doesn't matter because she says, you're the fool that the TVA brought in to get me. Fool almost being like, you're gonna lose your life just because you tried this. She then gives him a choice. After a magical Star Wars-like force grab for a vacuum and her having shit to do, we get the line, your favorite Loki betrayed you. They knew what was up the moment they gave Loki time to be himself, especially if there's another Loki on his shoulder convincing him to be a little more than himself, to not be a pawn. This is going to speak to Loki and the villain inside of him. He then Batman Loki's running at trucker lady Loki saying, what do you want from me? And Loki approaching her from the store very, where's Rachel? And then she says in a full lady Loki character reveal, this isn't about you. The charges go through the time door right before they detonate that lady Loki got at the beginning of the episode from one of the TVA agents. She just kept stealing charges to then plant in this store. Loki thought that one of them being on the shelf was her way of killing all of them in one area. You lured us here, then you're gonna kill all of us. She goes, wow, you really are just, you're thinking so small. But what's crazy is they wanted us to think small the entire time in all of these shows. In WandaVision, they wanted us to think that Agatha was the only villain. They want us to think on a level. So when they do some sort of misdirection, like showing all the bombs go through time doors and her bombing multiple points of the timeline, it was as deep a plotline could go. It was crazy. It was so left field because I'm thinking the same thing Loki is. Oh, you're just going to kill me because there can't be multiple variations of Loki if one Loki can kind of throw off the timekeepers. Suspecting him to be in one way or another and be in one timeline, you wouldn't expect if you murdered a bunch of variations, one from a different timeline in a timeline she's not supposed to be in. Almost like taking Loki's position, because he keeps thinking of usurping a throne. He's thinking Lady Loki wants to be him. But as she said, it's not about you. The timeline gets bombed at multiple points everywhere at the same time. And as we know, when a Nexus event occurs, that disaster can lead to full destruction of the timeline. And if the TVA can't be everywhere at once, what timelines do you save? The TVA mobilizes, Ravona grabs her delete stick. Everybody needs a delete stick. The red lights show Lo Lady Loki's evil affiliation. The whole room goes red as Lady Loki exits through a time door. This presents the notion, the pre-notion, that Lady Loki is evil in a metaphorical sense.
this, or at least what we know right now, maybe shedding light on it later because we see a lamp in the background of that red room as the only white light source behind Loki, maybe showing that he's the hero not yet discovered. He's the hero who hasn't come into his full form yet amongst a room of evil, amongst thoughts of evil. As Lady Loki exits through the time door, we see light start to shine through in all of this evil. Some of the lights are half white, um, some of the lights are half red, showing the duality within Loki, showing that he has multiple choices. When he sees Mobius, he's getting tugged on by the emotions of his new friend. He's making a choice, not a choice to obviously enact trickery, but a choice to betray something he could work on, something that he could have if he just sat still. True trust. What he finds in Thor at the end of Ragnarok. The red lights remain prominent while the white lights go out, showing that Loki did the evil act that was presented in that duality. Loki, wait! Damn it! And we see Owen Wilson in true disappointment in a cop-like fashion. Like when you watch some sort of cop show or a, a policeman show, you see when the person gets away, like you're watching CSI or something and they're on a rooftop and somebody knows how to do parkour and they just jump some sort of building gap and you see the person get on the walkie-talkie while they're watching the person run away on a rooftop and he would go in that episode, damn it! And they'd go, whoa, what's going on, Sergeant? Suspect got away! Ugh! And then, you know, cut to commercial. Instead of cutting to commercial, we get the credits. And that's a wrap on episode two. What is gonna happen going forward? Loki and Lady Loki are gonna have incredible expositions, probably on the same sound stages, the very minimal in quantity amount of sets that this show presents, especially taking place most of this episode in a cafeteria and most of the episode in the first episode in a what they call the time theater, but it's just a sound stage, really. They even have the main fight there. You can tell that these are all very near relative to location, near each other in space, near each other in, in this facility. You know, the set really changes in Rock's cart. This was a very... Uh, I think we're going to be talking about this scene for a really long time. I think this is going to be important moving forward because this is going to be the choice where Loki chooses to mess with the grander MCU. Chooses to become who we know him as, but in a grander purpose. And now that we know that he can change... The question is always on the table, is this character going to change? Is this character going to be the one that assists taking down Kang the Conqueror? Or are we going to get a motivation for Kid Loki to become a young Avenger? Something that he would never become as Loki proper. But now, with these new revelations and this new reformation from Loki, he might think that his act of redemption or penance for Mobius is to become Kid Loki... And the only way he can do that is because he knows the Avengers. He knows some of them, at least. I don't think he ever met Scarlet Witch. Loki didn't... He might know about her because of Thor Ragnarok in some way knowing all the sorcerers in the universe because we see in Doctor Strange, uh, Mordo seems to have a really good awareness on a lot of these sorcerers. Um, Loki being one of the top five, I'll say one of the smartest magical entities in that class or that school, that field in the Marvel comic canon. Like, you have the Sorcerer Supreme. Loki becomes the Sorcerer Supreme. And the Sorcerer Supreme's job is to, what, know everything? The Ancient One, she had to have been a Sorcerer Supreme at one point, or they, because the comic iteration of the Sorcerer, the Ancient One, is a male. So if this one's a female, who's to say that the Ancient One isn't just like Loki and isn't gender fluid, can't become whatever she so well desires to communicate with her art, whatever civilization she needs to influence as the Keeper of the Time Stone, almost like the Illuminati plays in the comics, right? But anyway, that was... 
Fatal Foils, Loki Episode 2. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for opening your mind, your creativity, your, your, your theory muscles, and exploring a show that allows us to do something incredible each week. Allows us to have a great conversation. You allow me to exercise my creativity, my theory crafting. I'm very excited to see where this show goes and what it makes me believe. Much like how Falcon and the Winter Soldier left me resonating with concepts of racial equality doing that together hand in hand brother with brother doesn't matter who you are love is love and we might even get some sort of because you know we have gay pride spotlight this month we can maybe say that hopefully the mcu or somebody's going to introduce because we have their first openly gay character coming in the eternals i want to see a show where they can tackle everything flaunt it put it on a showcase parade it in a tasteful way like how sam at the end of falcon and the winter soldier shows up with captain america's new suit and it didn't look great it popped it was comic accurate but he stood out maybe that's what we're looking for we're looking for symbols because these are mantles people who can look up to these 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 characters these larger than life symbols and embody them in their head work for them become make a goal to be not become them but become their own version of them the best them they can be and the only way we're going to do that is to create symbols you can look up to so we're gonna get a look at lady loki and why if loki can choose to be anybody why he chooses to be a woman and loki might ask that question because he's going to say what well, i identify as tom hiddleston and loki's going to be you know he's going to learn something and maybe he can identify as something else but if your only chance at redemption is a reincarnation using wiccan and right now he's a 10 year old boy and going to become one of the young avengers probably ushered in and recruited with the idea with wanda because wanda's searching for wiccan and if Wanda still feels like an Avenger, even though all is said and done, because the Avengers are the thing that turned her life around, that gave her courage from when she was hiding from bombs and everything else. You know, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of transformation and a lot of teeing up to knock it out of the park. But as we see with these Disney plus Marvel television shows, they, they set it up incredible. They get the whole crowd cheering. And while we're playing t-ball, which is, guys, I like t-ball. It's impressive when your child can hit a t-ball as a home run. But we're not just playing some kid game anymore. And we're do not doing it with Marvel. So this is Major League Baseball. And y'all teed it up. But now we need uh, the pitcher from the Red Sox or something. <laughs> what, go Yankees, go Red Sox? I don't care. We need some sort of baseball pitcher to tee it up to knock it out of the park at 100 miles an hour. Because now you've got me going 100 miles an hour. You've laid down the line. You've paved the road. And the tires are good year. And they're ready to go with a four-year warranty. Fresh off the lot. Let's drive this baby home. Drift this Lamborghini. Put it in the garage. Loki has got me for four more episodes we have six more episodes six episodes total in this loki show order if you do a season i don't see how you can do a season two will i watch a season two absolutely did kevin feige say something about wandavision season two yes he did is that just going to progress further into the extended magical marvel universe possibly but we can't just give well we can actually i take that statement back immediately before i even say it 
We can use these shows as plot devices to carry forth different phases. If WandaVision serves as the magical liaison to the Mar magical Marvel proper universe, then why can't Falcon and the Winter Soldier do the same thing for the militarized, the grounded characters? Like with Armored War coming out with uh, Don Cheadle as War Machine, we're going to get a look at the armored Marvel family, people who use armor. Maybe you might even see Silver Samurai at some point. I don't know. But that's all my takes. I've got nothing left. We're going to keep it high and tight, right? You stuck around for theories and a minute for minute play. I appreciate everybody sticking with me for this. I'm going to be thinking about this one for a while. Everybody get ready for episode three. I bet it's a jam-packed, super exciting one. And that's me, man. Uh, I appreciate everybody for being here. This has been Fatal Foils. And if you don't already know, catch us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you don't know where to read these comics to find out more about Loki Laufison, uh, Lofi Odinson, Lofi, <laughs> Loki Odinson, <laughs> go check out localcomic.shop, comicshoplocator.com, and go get you some comics. Go find your local trade shop. Chat with them there, because I'm sure they have interesting discussion. Maybe more interesting than what I had to say. Maybe something else that I never caught. I didn't catch the the Peggy Carter in episode one of Loki until two days after the Fatal Foils, and I was like, ah, oh, freaking noob. But <laughs> you stick with me for my crazy theories, and that's all I can ask for. So join me next week when we do Fatal Foils, Loki, episode three. That's all for me. I'm Fatal from Fatal Affair, and this has been Fatal Foils. Everybody have a great day. Keep those timelines safe. Later, guys. What's going on, everybody? It's Fatal from Fatal Foils. You can now catch this podcast on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Facebook at Fatal Affair Cast or Twitter at Fatal Affair Cast and tune in every week for some deep dive discussion. I'm Fatal. Later, guys.